January 15, 2021. It's a lot for Pedro's show.
from Pedro Show. Happy Friday. Started off with Up Against the Wall, John Coltrane, and then Emmett Kelly, Leonardo Lives. Uh, I'm, Brother Matt's on the uh, Love Grotto, Pleasure Point a couple miles south here because we're still in quite quarantine all But people, I am not totally man alone because of those Skype engineers of Estonia with their righteous Skype invention. I got Mr. Emmett Kelly with me. Welcome aboard, Emmett. Hello. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. <laughs> you know, uh, I want to know where this music comes. Let's talk about your journey. For for example, can you give me your earliest musical recollection, please, Emmett? Yeah. I mean, my my earliest, my both my parents are musicians. And so when I grew up, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a, an earliest one, but I guess when I was like a little kid, I used to sleep on the amps at my mom's rehearsals. Ah, oh, so you grew and around, so, you grew up around musical equipment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and where was family. this? Where was this, Emmett? In L.A. in uh, Van Nuys. Val. Yeah, hell yeah. That's okay, man. Perk. 
<laughs> you know, Steve Perkins, right, Val guy, my, my favorite. I think Dude, we I came. went to the same high school with him. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Wow, small world. Yeah, the West Side, right, because Tarzan is where, where Cedar's where you had Pat. He's in the kind of East part now, Studio City, but still Val. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to your story. So, like, you, you grew up in a music fucking environment. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, were you pushed? Like piano lessons, uh, amplifier lessons? Oh, not really. I mean, like I, I kind of just came to it on my own. They, they, they weren't, uh, they weren't trying to get me to do anything. I mean, you know, they, they were, they, they love music. My family loves music, but they, but they also were struggling musicians, and so they weren't, you know. But it was like they, 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 they believe in music, so they were stoked when I got into it. You know, there's cats like you, Makai. I had him on the show a little while back his boy ain't into it sometimes it's like the opposite thing uh bruce loose from flipper was telling me i think his boy does lawyer so sometimes cool. yeah you're not part what do they call it the acorn falls far from the tree <laughs> sometimes a squirrel eats well, that I mean, fucking acorn and then shits it out miles away i think that's what nature wants <laughs> i mean maybe a musician might be good with having a lawyer in the family you know <laughs> good point brother <laughs> so let me ask you about school were you in the band uh marching band or the choir or shit like that um i t attempted to do a choir when i was little younger you know but like then i didn't i wasn't i just hated school in general so yeah. i just kind of fucked off entirely and then and then i went to uh music school for college well i kind of I, I kind of asked that emmett because some schools got rid of their fucking music program. So I, yeah, I mean, you know, my I had a music class in high school, and the guy who was uh, the teacher was really cool, but you know, he knew that the whole thing was bullshit, and you know, I mean, it, no, none of the kids cared about anything. We didn't learn anything. I mean, it, there was like one class that was, you know, I don't know. It was he was a cool guy though. He actually, yeah, he was a good guy. He was a, really encouraging to me. Like he he hooked me up with like a mini mug synthesizer when I was, he got this woman like to donate it to school so he could give it to me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But see, contributions sometimes they're not just the regular curriculum, right? It's it has something to do with personality and uh, I don't know. Yeah. No. I mean, it's like I wish that. I mean, I you know when later on when I got into music, I was like, man, I wish that we we all like just had to learn how to read music as children. You know what I mean? Like sure. Just, you know, you you start to envy like the old school way of doing things. Where like, you know, I got into the Beach Boys as like the first like kind of like real sophisticated thing I was into, and it was like, damn, these guys just like turn out these like gorgeous harmonies, and it's like, you know, they it's because it's deep in them, like the the theory of of music, you know. But what will, what if we were taught how to read and write music like we are the alphabet? Yeah, exactly. That's the we thing. We wouldn't even just, think about it, right? It would be just second nature of us being able to communicate each other with each other. It'd be so cool. Yeah. So, I guess you know, you get out of it what you put into it, but it. I think it does depend on the cat. There's there's a fucking art to teaching. There just is. There's just some trippy thing about it. Both my sisters are teaching. I'm curious about uh, going back to home and you buying yeah. your first record with your own money. What was that? <laughs> Damn, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, remember, it's a Watt from Pedro show, so there's no hard questions and there's no wrong answers. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think that the first time that I recall buying a 
buying a CD, you know, like it was like my sister had uh, uh, made this mixtape and I, there was a Sonic Youth song on there, Sugarcane. And I was like, I really like that song. And so I went and bought a Sonic Youth album and it was Confusion is Sex, which is like the opposite of Sugarcane. <laughs> What's the first? Yeah, right back. First one. You know, because I I was like, what the hell is this? You know, it took me like about three weeks to realize that I was really into it. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I asked that because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have a lot of money. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But, but on the I other hand, you brought up an important thing, I think, called the mixtape. That was really important in the old days of the movement. Totally, man. That's I mean, how like, you we found used to out about it shit. Off yeah. 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 Right. You pass them around, right? And you could turn yeah. on people to shit. And they could turn you on into shit. Yeah. It's totally. Really important. What about the first gig you saw, Emmett? Well, I mean, I grew up going to these bar, like these bar gigs that my family were doing. Ah, so it was like, right. you know, I, I think the first one that like I remember really was like being at like Harvell's in like the, you know, late 80s or something or, you know. Harvell's, uh, you're talking about that club in Santa Monica? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's kind of crazy. Like my mom's band, my mom actually like helped helped convince that place to do live music, you know, because her band was looking for a gig and she liked it at the bar. Well, you know, I found out about that because of the, uh, Dave Childs had to close his liquid kitty and start having his punk rock barbecues there. Oh shit! Yeah, ain't there a small world? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Totally. Hard to fucking park. Yeah. <laughs> that neighborhood. Okay. Definitely. Okay, I want to play uh, Drum Circle.
Watch for Pedro Show. Drum Circle from Emmett Kelly. BX, brand new from uh, Bruno in uh, Netherlands, Rotterdam. He, he's got, uh, his regular band, Stoma, but because of the situation, uh, he's been doing this, uh, what he calls his ventriloquist project, <laughs> which is him playing everything, right? You can do this now with these uh, looping dealios, right? Yeah. Right. And Hands Rotten from Switzerland after that with Twinger for Departure. Uh, 42 from Pete Kane, his brand new album. Great. Pete Kane, Pat Kane. Uh, one half of uh, Model Home. Great cat. Uh, uh, gate, uh, guided by Voices, Slaughterhouse. Foodie from Osaka with Stars in the Night Sky. And then Biscuit Mouth from England with Kenneth the Lampooner. Something somebody would say over there, right? <laughs> Although, I remember when I was younger, there was... National Lampoon, some kind of comedy magazine for college kids, I guess. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> but let's get back to Emmett's a, a musical. How'd you get on what you got playing? You what? How did you get on to what you're working now for music? How, how'd that happen? I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess I got, I got, I had a, I was in a band, uh, for, I had my own kind of like norm song band for a while and it was, it was cool. I lo I loved it, but I, I guess I started to get kind of disenchanted by it and I kind of wanted to go back to the drawing board and figure out why you do any of it in the first place. And so I got interested in, uh, I, I found like a portal into it through uh, l learning about synthesizer and how it works. And uh, it just, I don't know, it kind of reconditioned my ear to be more like thinking about music as listening to it as opposed to gesturing with like a guitar. You know, the guitar is my instrument normally, but it's, yeah. it's like a, you know, you get, I was getting tired of where I was, you know, I was, it was like Groundhog's Day, you know, like every time you pick up the guitar it's like fuck okay i've done this like a thousand times you know like what it's I need almost, to find the new thing you know can i make a guess here i mean it's almost yeah. getting to the point like it, it couldn't teach anything anymore yeah well i needed something to crack me open you know what i mean like and, so, so when you mentioned synthesizer and then that early uh teacher music teacher in school yeah exactly it, yeah. oh that was the connect oh wow well no i mean that was that was just kind of my first entry point into it i mean it's kind of weird. Like when I went to school for, you know, for music school, it, it, my whole intention was to get into electronic music. And, and it's just weird because I totally abandoned that quickly. And because the, the program at school was pretty lame. And so I, I quickly abandoned that. And then I got in really into guitar and kind of more old fashioned music. And then, and then, you know, my whole life happened. And then of course now I'm like returning back to, what I was interested in when I was a teenager, which is just kind of bizarre, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and do you think it's just a bunch of circumstance, a bunch of coincidence, or do you think there's some kind of arc, some kind of path? Well, I mean, I've always, I've always been really attracted to a synthesizer, you know, like not really like the keyboard. I'm not good at the keyboard, you know? And you know, so that's, it, that's a good point. I mean, a synthesizer yeah. really ain't a fake keyboard, right? No, it's a totally different thing. It's it's like the electricity coming out of the wall. So, 
in my mind, it's almost like an acoustic instrument the same way that a guitar is. It's just that it's it's made out of electricity, you know? Like, well, can I tell you about the first time I saw Perubu? Me and Dee Boone yeah, and George, cool. went up to Hollywood at the Whiskey. And this guy, Alan uh, Ravenstein, he, his synthesizer's on a table. It's two boxes. And there's no cables. I mean, no, no keyboard. It's only cables. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and there's these sounds coming out. It's not fake horn. It's not fake string section. It's not organ, clavichord. No, yeah, yeah. There's a certain kind of purity. Definitely. <laughs> Do you know about this lady Delia Derbyshire? Derbyshire. Of course, yeah, yeah. The tape music. Right. Was, uh, okay, tape music. Yeah. So, okay. Did this teacher that gave got arranged it for you to get that synthesizer? Did he turn you on to shit like this? No, I mean he was he was pretty basic, like in terms of what he was interested in. He he got I was at the time actually really into like uh, Spaceman Three. You know, I was a, t a teenager and I was really into Spaceman Three, and then what like Sonic Boom was doing with all the synthesizers and stuff, and and so I knew about. I'd done my own kind of research and and. Uh, and he played this, uh, my teacher played this, like, a video about electronic music, and it was a video about this guy showing you how a big modular Moog system works, and, and I was like, that's a, a Moog synthesizer, and he's like, he's like, holy shit, you know, like, you know about this, you know, and, like, the, you know, the rest of the class is, like, totally, I don't, doesn't give a shit, you know what I mean, but I was stoked, so... Well, I don't I've, know, I've I got into it through, like, listening to, like, weird music, you know. I had Alan on my show a couple of times. He's told me some of these synthesizers he used were actually teaching devices. EML, yeah. EML. Uh, they had three-letter acronyms and stuff. They one of them looked like a little case. I, I, in fact, the lid was the keyboard. Yeah, exactly. On yeah. one of the ah, oh, so you know, and like capacitance from your fingers. It didn't have like physical. Jim O'Rourke, yeah. Jim O'Rourke too. I did some gigs with him, and he played this thing, and he said it was actually a teaching aid. Yeah, <laughs> and to uh, teach how how sounds working and shit, and yeah, uh, I, I, you know one dude I got into as a teenager, even though I'm a bass guy because I want to be D Boone's bass player, but his name was Klaus Schulze. Yeah, totally. Oh, you know. Yeah, and he had this label called Brain, and I, I guess he broke off from Tangerine Dream and started on his own trip. Yeah, and like double albums of like you know forty minute songs. And, yeah, but I love it, that stuff. You know what I used to call it? Headphone music. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. when you wore headphones, man, it was like brain floss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You know, the whole idea of fake keyboard is like totally gone. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, people No, when, do... I, when I got introduced to that world, it's not the fake keyboard. It's its own entity. That's why I'm trying to say Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it you know, it's a, there's a whole world out there, you know, of, of confusing a new approach, you know. I mean, this is like circa 1960s and 70s and stuff is like when the synthesizer kind of blossomed, you know. Yeah, I remember the first record was a, a Wendy Carlos or a Walter then. Yeah, totally. And just <laughs> doing, and reinterpreting Johann Sebastian Bach, and I guess that required the keyboard. Yeah, but then there was I mean, shit. That... Do you know stuff like Tonto's expanding headband? 
I have heard it. I'm not that into it, but I mean, it's kind of interesting, I guess. The synth was the size of a fucking room. Yeah, I've seen it actually. In the, <laughs> it was at the Devo place for a while in uh, Sunset Boulevard, Mutato. Interesting. I think it, it's the back in was England. There? Interesting. For for a little while, I think it's back in England now. It was two England guys. <laughs> there, it's on three of the Stevie Wonder records actually, as like kind of a bedrock to those rhythms to like living in the city and superstition. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, really interesting kind of thing. Uh, now, did your mom and dad play synthesizer? No, no, no. They were both drummers. Ah. There's something about a synthesizer being kind of percussive, though, I, I will say. Stuff I heard from Martin Sabotnik. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely all the elements in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess we're talking 80s, 60s, 70s. By 80s, they're using triggers, right, to make heavy metal records. Here's the other thing. They start using synthesizers as pads in heavy metal records. Yeah, <laughs> so you don't have too much space, too much air, right? Well, that's weird to me. I think I, I like the space. Yeah, I know, I know. It was like, you know, like the, the, the look at the word pad. <laughs> Just sound like I mean, it's like why do you want to? I don't. I never understood that honestly. I, I love the, the silence in the in records. You know, like why do you want to fill it up with just like a an air of nothing? You know. Something you don't even notice, you know? Yeah. Uh, 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 just the word filler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stupid. It's not a real thing, right? It's just something taking up space. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, I mentioned some of these synthesizer guys. and stuff, but d d Tell us some that you got into. Well, I mean, I, I honestly, like, the reason why I got, I mean, well, early on, I was just kind of li listening to, like, whoever was, like, I like the Silver Apples and, oh, you know. Simeon, like Brother Simeon, we just lost him. Yeah, I know, it's a shame. I mean, like, I was, a, I, I was just, like, a kid, like, you know, whatever, you know, just stoner, like, going, I mean, I got, I was into, like, I would go to these places in LA in the Valley that were like amazing music. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that the music world has changed so much since then. But like, uh, all these bands that I was listening, going to seeing shows as a teenager were so gigantic in my life. Like, <clears throat> and like things like, a Godzik pink and the uphill gardeners and, uh, and Mel's Klein, Mel's Klein was around and just, blowing my mind with this like weirdo guitar thing that he, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I just was searching for stuff and I didn't really get into necessarily like any real actual like synthesizer players until sort of late, way later on. And, and, uh, from, I lived in Chicago for a long time and, and one of my good friends from there, this guy named Ben Vida, he, we used to play a lot of music together and he got really deep into synthesizer and it kind of like, opened me up to a lot of stuff what was from, that was that the cairo gang the cairo gang was my band yeah yeah and he was in there he was in there for a minute i mean like he, he played on one of the records uh but you know it, it was that the band was never i mean the band didn't really like turn into like an actual ensemble until maybe like 10 years ago or something you know it was a rotating cast of people how long, was, how long did you live in Chicago, Emmett? For about 10 years. And how is it for a Cali guy 
<laughs> yeah. 10 years ago. You know, we got a bunch of them cats living here now. Yeah, Dave, I know. David Yao yeah. and uh, fucking yeah. uh, uh, that great guitar man, Jeff Parker. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Johnny uh, Machine, the drummer man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those guys are like, I love those guys, you know, like, you know, I, I, I realized at a certain point, I think I've seen Jeff Parker play more than I've seen anyone. Well, else. doesn't he, he has some kind of resident thing right now, right? Or uh, did, yeah, he, he did, he, he did. Well, yeah, he plays, he plays at this place, ETA, every week, I think, or he used to, obviously, but, uh, but in Chicago, there used to be a, a weekly gig similar, but it was more like improvised music, and it was, that was just like, incredible like thing to watch you know what why you got inspired right that's that's what's bitching yeah. about that shit yeah i yeah. mean especially in chicago there was such a giant i mean there is but there was specific you know such a gigantic scene of just full-on weirdo musicians you know and uh they were playing all the time like you couldn't be a musician of any style without knowing about the most far out shit you know which yeah. i thought just you know huge contrast to place like la where you could live your whole life and have only only know about one type of music you know what i mean believe you me <laughs> <laughs> Emmett, we're at the end of the first hour right. january 4th no 15 2021 <laughs> special guest Emmett kelly hold tight for hour two January 15, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
was exposed It's our business laid back A crude and self-evident lie I but most folks didn't care
to their songs along the way Along this rocky path we trod Yes, we will Yes, we will
Rob from Pedro Show. Emmett Kelly with Rod Jarl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where's that title come from, Emmett? Fuck if I know, man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Some people say, look, why, I don't want to talk about it. That's why I made a song, you know, of course. Yeah. And I had Sam Bennett after that with the Little Songbirds. Sam Locke Ward with Improv. Fatso Jetson, Mario Lolly there. Jet Black Boogie. Uh, yeah, uh, Cairo Gang. Yeah, the Cairo so, Gang. Yeah, the sorry, the, the Cairo Gang. So, you say it didn't become an ensemble for ten years, but then you only lived there ten years. Well, I mean, it it, it it's kind of a long story. I just I don't know. It was always my band. I mean, I I was doing the Cairo Gang since I was in high school. You know. And no, I don't know. That's why you're on the show, so I can learn about you. <laughs> yeah, it just kept changing, and you know, it was just my my outlet for songwriting, and uh, it let, kept changing. Let, let, let me hear about the first. Since this goes back to school, yeah. Let me hear about the first version of Cairo Gang. <laughs> first version of Cairo Gang was it was you know my friends from the, the valley, and we. Uh, I don't know. We were, I was just like really into like this really dreamy, spacey kind of like reverbed out shit, you know? And, uh, and so we played, you know, we would play at like the Raven Playhouse and what, no, well, but tell me how you put together the band. You pick certain dudes at like at school after school, you had a bedroom band, basement band. That my, kind of... my friend Rebecca was, um, was, she was she was a singer and and so we used to sing songs together just the two of us and then we'd you know be like oh I know this one dude who can play drums or you know, whatever and we, we it was just friends yeah we didn't um, we didn't necessarily like look to for like types of musicians we were just kind of like trying to have fun and do a band you know and, and right away did you start writing your own stuff or did you copy off records. No, I was doing, well, I was writing songs, but they're, you know, a, a lot of mimicking other things. Yeah, of you course, know. of course, you're young and you're first starting. What was the first, the Cairo Gang gig? I think the first gig we played at was at the Raven Playhouse in North Hollywood, the place that um, The Smell opened up next door to. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. And how'd it go? How'd it go? It was great. I mean, you know, I mean, it was just, it was like a, you know, 15 year old's like rad time. You know, I was stoked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you some, know, I've had some people on the show, Emmett, and the first gig was a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the, that wasn't the first gig I ever played. It was just, you know, it was my first band. Wow, so you, you, you are by this time a veterano. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had like a punk band before that. You know, what, what was that? What was that? We, we were called Scab. <laughs> Yeah, you Don't know we played it. it like Natural Fudge. Remember that place? Sure. And uh, shit like that, and like a, we were just like I was just like a freak kid for a while, and then I got all like moody and started making more like moody stuff. You know? <laughs> I, was, I went from being angry to depressed. <laughs> okay, speaking about vo mo <laughs> being moody and shit, I'm gonna yeah. play Fonzie. <laughs> Hell yeah, Fonzie. Okay.
say to Natalie, thank you, good night. With our best friends, Holly Hunt, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Best fucking band in all of Mexico, fuck yeah. Well, after Pedro's show, yeah, that was Fonzie from Emmett <laughs> You know, my pop, that this this show came on in the 70s. It was called Happy Days. Yeah. <laughs> and my pop told me, you know what? Those were not happy days. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I'm born in 1957. He's 19 years old. And, yeah, it wasn't like that fucking TV show. <laughs> yeah, right. The pots eating that shit. Those guys looked like they were 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fonzie looked like he's 50. After that was a, a defensive butterfly from Good Fuck. Oh, yeah. That's Chicago. Uh, the cat from Joan of Arc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And then uh, To Live and Shave in L.A., Motor Profumo. Now, uh, there was a movie Billy Friedkin made called To Live and Die in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> it starts off with some dude bungee jumping off a bridge. Uh-huh. That bridge is the Vincent Thomas Bridge, which is between Pedro and Terminal Island here. Oh, shit. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's green. It looks oh, like a true. green, a small version of the Golden Gate Bridge up in the city. Yeah, yeah. So, Terminal Island is weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the native people called it uh, Rattlesnake Island. This is a, a railroad company called it that because at the end of your railroad is your terminal, your ending. Yeah, right. So they renamed it. They owned everything at one point until we got the harbor. We fucking kicked them to the curb. His name was Cullen Huntington. He bought a mile of wharf up in Santa Monica. That's where he wanted the fucking harbor. But the Navy came in on our side. This is like 100, 110 years ago. And Pedro, Bartolo. actually, we're part of parts of the valley. You know, that's how big the city of L.A. is. We got to keep the name San Pedro because... Downtown's got a fourth street, and so do we, you know. So instead of renaming all the streets, they just say, okay, you guys be Pedro. But we're really part of Los Angeles last yeah. 20 years. So uh, what about composition on the synth? Is it just tro- like skateboarding? You just do it until you don't fall down as much? <laughs> it's it's a weird – I mean, it's a weird thing because, you know, you, you attempt to – figure out sort of signal flow and control voltage stuff. And it, it just is like, you just go down a rabbit hole, you know, and uh, come out with something. I mean, it's like you generally come up with like a, have like an approach and then, and then something, you, you know, you discover where, where it could go, you know, cause it breathes. It's like a living thing, you know? Can I ask you uh, with your guitar? Yeah. You use pedals. Yeah, I mean, not not so much. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I like I like fuzz fuzz pedals and shit like that, but uh, I'm not really I'm not really a pedal guy to be honest. I mean, it it's you, like I, I have this delay pedal and I I barely use it. Or, or maybe know. you use it in a performance, like the dynamic to bring it up for a part, like a solo. Yeah, well, like a fuzz box for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I, I have like a couple things, but I I don't really I don't really use pedals like the way a lot of people are into pedals. Well, know? I'm not talking a lot of people so much as like the synthesis, like you're 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 manipulating sound. Yeah, yeah. No, the the synth is different. It's 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 a. It, I look at it like an instrument. Like it's 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 not so much. I mean, it's obviously there's a lot of processing, but it's not. I mean, it's like the processing is part of the instrument. You know, I mean, it's it's like with guitar, I like. I like dry sounds and like, you know, like I, that's where like turning something up beyond 
as loud as is it pop like a fuzz pedal does is is different to me than like putting a weird effect on it or something like but i mean i love effects obviously i just you know more into like good sound you know let me uh let me see if i got this straight like with the boxes and a guitar you're taking a guitar sound and you're manipulating that with the synthesizer the manipulation's right at the get-go yeah i mean it's just it's you just have a bunch of electricity that you're trying to collide and make music with you know okay you know one of the things about a synth is an oscillator right yeah oscillator can give you rhythm yeah for sure because we haven't been really talking about that we're talking well sounds but sounds in a certain kind of pulse a certain kind of sequence a certain kind of pattern yeah 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 uh for example, the most obvious early example with the rock and roll was Pete Townsend bringing that thing at the beginning. Well, uh, uh, Bob O'Reilly. Bob O'Reilly, yeah. Cool. At first, I've heard the version without the end part that Keith Moon put on with the violin. It was yeah. just a, it was a birthday card for Mayor Baba. <laughs> yeah, him and Ronnie Lane made a birthday thing because they were into Mayor Baba, this guy who wouldn't talk. Right. <laughs> until until he uh, was on his deathbed. You know what he told Pete Townsend? Who's that? What's that? Don't worry. Be happy. And remember, that got turned into a tune. Oh, right. I think uh, Bobby <laughs> McFerrin or something. Jazz yeah. Right. But but anyway, to get back, see how, how random that stuff was? All those hits, but there was kind of a rhythm to it, right? Well, yeah, totally. Because on the, I think he made 100 copies of this birthday card thing. The, the one before Baba O'Reilly, just for Mayor Baba. And if he had the credits. He said the synthesizer played its, maybe Baba, Mayor Baba played it, or maybe it played itself. Yeah, totally. It does that. I mean, it has its own brain, kind of. It's a weird electric thing. Yeah, and maybe you could get that if you, like, set your guitar up against your amp and just start let it ring in with the feedback and that. Sure. I mean, the guitar is full of stuff to, that's like extended as well. I mean, you know, that's like, that's like when, that's like when I was talking about, we were talking about Nels Klein earlier is like early on, like I would watch him play it like the smell or something. And he'd just be like doing all this shit that like, isn't even guitaristic. You know what I mean? It, like, you mean it, with the little toy Ray gun? Yeah. yeah totally <laughs> and the that. fucking egg, like, egg whisker. Yeah, egg whisker. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Look, we're at the end of the second hour, January 15, 2021. This Peter Show special guest, Emmett Kelly, hold tight for hour three. January 15, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt Pedro Show.
From Peter's show, we start third hour off with F. Zanchuin, Emmett Kelly. <laughs> I mean, how do you name these tunes? You don't, you don't know. That's one. I don't know. I mean, like that was like I, I, a friend of mine. Uh, at least three guys that we collect fake names. You know, weird. And uh, I think that was on the name. It was just like some dude's name. F. Oh, so Zanchuin. F is like the initial of the first yeah. name. Okay, yeah, D. Boone, right. Okay, you know he got that from E Bloom, Eric Bloom in the Blue Oyster Cult. On the on the second album, it said E Bloom stung guitar, and we were like, "What the fuck is a stung guitar?" I don't know, but I want to be him. And then his oh, name yeah. was like close to it, right? Dennis uh, Eric Bloom, Dennis Boone. So he put E Bloom. All right, D Boone. That's yeah. a true story. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have something that neat. But but a lot of d- thought we both had fake punk names, like Don Bonebreak. That's his real name too. Sometimes you're born with a good punk name. Bonebreak is his real that's, name. Yeah, shit you not. That's shit crazy. you not. Then we had a uh, uh, jam number two live around 1993 Pedro party featuring the late great Richard Derrick and brother Crane, who's up in Idaho in these days. And then finally Tollum and Dietrich. That's John Dietrich from uh, Deerhoof, who's a great guitar man. Uh, zero five, some improv they did. I think John just lost his older brother. So very sad. I got to make a record with John and uh, Tim Barnes. It was called and told him, uh, the Hand of Man Band, and uh, really, there's something about improvised music. It takes a kind of like you were t- off air people. We were talking about Nels Klein, and Emmett here says he was. What what'd you say about him? He's the first guy. It was just like the first guy I saw who like is a actually great guitar player and a full on noise freak. Are, are you aware of a band called DNA? Yeah, totally. And this guy named Ardo Lindsay. Yeah, amazing. I got to see that band. They played the Hong Kong Cafe. Now it wasn't wow. the first version with the organ guy. It was with the bass man from Perubu, uh, Tim Wright. Wow. But man, it was a power trio. <laughs> It was like most black power tree I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that band, I think there's an album. I remember there was a single. It was called Little Ants, but that was with the organ dude. And I guess the lady was just learning drums at the time. And Ardo played the trippiest guitar. But you're right, Nels, because he told me he spent some years in the 70s. He called it Jazz Island, so he learned fusion. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Where the hell is Jazz Island? But then he fucking heard Sonic Youth, and he told me it changed his life. Yeah, for sure. Gateway. You you were saying something about Sonic Youth, right? Uh, Sugar? Uh... Yeah, well, it was just like early on, you know? Like I was like 12 or something. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you got common ground. You and Nels Klein were bro- both profoundly affected by Sonic Youth. I want to play Brass Snakes.
to the ball. Time and space, the ground below you, yeah, so tired around your face. down faster awesome gravity won't come back
Lot for Pedro, show last music for this edition. Emmett Kelly with Brass Snakes, then Tim Holehouse, Velocity, and finally Troopa Troopa out of Danzig. Tim Holehouse out of England. Uh, longing from Troopa Troopa. Uh, you know, this music that we've been playing from Brother Emmett here, all recent stuff, people. In fact, Brass Snakes, he says he did during the summer, during the altercations and stuff. Uh, also, not just altercations, uh, we're under the COVID-19 and with the Quentin Quarantino, and so he, he's not sitting on his hands. Are, are you trading files? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that, actually, mostly in the past few months, sending people, like, trying to work together with people remotely, you know? Do you still get your connects with your Chicago musician friends? Yeah. In fact, I, I, I've been doing a project with Michael Zerang. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some a lot of stuff with Joshua Abrams and, you know, some various other people. But, yeah, like I've been working on something with Devin Hoff. And that's oh, the bass man. Yeah. Totally. We've got an album coming out with uh, Joe Berardi called the Emma Goldman bust out brigade and uh, he's oh, cool. incredible cat yeah yeah cool. nels klein singers for a while yeah for sure um i think originally from uh maybe boulder then he was in east bay he's in buffalo these days i think he's from like fort collins or something that's it that one that's it because his daddy was a blues what time he sends his pop to pedro to have lunch with me not with him <laughs> with, with his pop gave you a cd yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cool. I, th I fucking thought it was Boulder. You know, it was in Fort Collins. There's Billy uh, Descendants. He's got a studio in the Blaster Room. So uh, can you tell me about the process? What do you, what, what, how, how do you get the music going with your, your, your buddies online? Well, I mean, like, you know, it's, it, it never seemed like something that we'd wanted to do ever. You know what I mean? Like, we'd, like, send emails of music, be like, what do you think, you know? But now it's it's different, you know? And... I was I was working on some recordings early in the pandemic with well, with Bonnie Prince Billy and it, we were doing them remotely and it was just kind of a good, good experience you know and then I would send stuff to people all over the world like I sent stuff to Jim White in Australia and to the drummer Josh. man Jim White yeah, yeah. incredible a lot of hair on his back I love this guy <laughs> yeah he's one of my favorite drummers ever man last time I saw him play was with Cat Power. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, with Sean, he was tearing it up. We made we made a record together. Our, we have a band called The Double. I'll, I'll send you the record if you want. I didn't know that, but because yeah. his guy Mick, right? Uh, Mick Turner, yeah. Yeah, I saw his solo. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and shit, wooden buttons. That was like Pedro in the seventies in high school. <laughs> you know, I'm class of seventy six, and I was like, "Whoa, Mick!" I, I'm, I'm getting a flashback here. But, Hell I mean, yeah. all those guys. And Warren now is like fucking uh, Nick Cave's main music dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But but what, what I was asking about the process, like, does one dude go first? Like, if they send out well, the first wave it, file? It depends on it depends on how the project goes. I mean, lately I've been doing it. So I, I have all this weird unfinished stuff. And so I would send something to somebody that I want to, that I like, and that I like want to play with and hang out with and be like, hey, man, I just made this. Do you hear anything in it? You know, and, and you know sometimes they do. Like the thing with with uh, with Devin was amazing. Like I sent him this really screwed up kind of I don't even know how to describe it. Like noise out beat thing that was like made on the synthesizer, and he came back with this like full on like fully fully beautiful like melodic bowed bass part, and I was like, whoa, holy shit, you know. And now 
now we have a piano player joining in on the project and just so it's just like who knows it's just it's sort of the same as like any of the synthesizer stuff it's like sending stuff in the dark just be like i don't know what the hell this is like do you know what it is you know and then they think maybe they do you know what i mean like yeah but to me it seems a lot more collaborative because if you had a guy a group of cats and you're going to meet at the prac bed here guys i'm going to bring you a demo and this is what the song's going to sound like yeah yeah this is a whole different trip huh yeah yeah because it's like i mean you know here's the bass line or something it's like i don't know it's like Here's a, here's a, here's a mysterious unknown thing of music. Like it, it does it even exist? You know, like you tell me. You know, and then the musicians like, oh, I think maybe it does. You know. Yeah. Well, the making is in the doing. It's not. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. 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 I I think that's. Uh, you know, I was reading somewhere. You know, this plague shit actually has been going on for thousands of years. <laughs> and in fact, King Lear was written down during a lockdown in London. Interesting. You know, and. So, you know, I, th- I know for everybody it's kind of singular for them, but the human race has been through this shit. But I, I kind of like, there's something organic about this, even though it's weird. Yeah, you're not in the room with the cats, but you're still, you know, here's a piece of creativity. Now what? Now it's my turn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like trying to communicate with people has been really hard this year, you know, and and especially musically. I mean, I haven't played music. I mean, I barely played any music this year with anyone in the room. You know what I mean? And it's right. but, driving but it's me crazy. A, yeah, but in a way, isn't music kind of a lifeline then? Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, and it's different. You know, you do things differently when you have your own personal time with stuff, too. You know, so it's like it's, you know, it's, it's interesting recording things with people because it's like you get a piece of music and then you have this weird time that you can spend like experimenting or or doing things it's way different than being put on the spot you know right. you don't have to worry about personal dynamics and bullshit like that. yeah or like time seemingly wasted you know even the look it's, of the dude's face yeah totally. or like you know like it's like wait i gotta roll this joint real fast <laughs> emmett where can people find you on the internet uh i have a um an Instagram called Dr. Faustrol. It's like a dr underscore f a u s t r o l l. But there's no Emmett Kelly website. No, I don't have one. I, I, I don't you know. You will been, because it's like having your own fucking fanzine. You'll dig it. I know. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna make something one day. I'm gonna, and then you can like, have links to those other telephone poles where you put up flyers. Yeah, <laughs> Emmett. I love what you're doing, man. I lo- yesterday I had a guy, you know, in his set, late 70s, uh, Mr. Bob Marsh, doing improv music. He calls it jumping from the pole. And, and, and that, you, know, you know what I mean? And, and th- I think that's what you're doing. I like this idea, man. I lo- you're an inspiration. Hell yeah, man. Well, let's do something together. Okay. Okay, you got it. Yeah. Flow, flow me away, file. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you <laughs> okay. something. All right, and I'll bring it right back. Hell yeah. You know, and and, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come back on the show and we'll tell people about it. Okay. All right, man. Good okay. to talk to you. Absolutely, people. It's been the January 15, twenty twenty one edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>